Hey friends, this podcast is kind of fun if you're interested in livestock. And even if you're not, you might get a kick out of hearing some of the mishaps that we've had on our farm, the stories and the maybe errors that we've made along the way that you could potentially avoid just by listening to this podcast and learning how to spot and purchase the best livestock for your property. Have a listen, let us know what you think, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. Hey friends! Welcome to The Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned. Everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. All right, so... First of all, I want to say we have a strict rule on our farm about animals and how much trouble they're able to cause before we just get rid of them. So that's the first rule you should ask? I, well, it's the first rule of animals. I think sometimes, and this, this is true for us too. I mean, this is where we, we fell, we landed where we started. We thought We thought for years, like before we were even married, I think. Maybe not before, but just very, after we yeah, were married. Very closely. It popped into my head that we wanted to be goat farmers. We wanted to have... We went to the Carl Sandberg's house. We did. We went I to remember. It was, a pivotal, it was a pivotal moment. A pivotal moment. And I saw Drew interacting with goats, and they were just dancing around and having so much fun. And I and immediately I said, yeah, no, this is what we want. Yeah. And it just clicked. And so... They looked into my eyes with those creepy square eyes <laughs> of theirs. <laughs> and we just knew. That's... Well, I don't know if Drew knew as much as I knew, but... Uh, I mean, I feel like I was on board. I started planting some heavy seeds. Anyway, right. so we we worked towards that for, I don't know, like a decade or more. And then finally we were able to purchase land where we could have goats. And we got them first thing, you know, like immediately started getting goats. And we started buying all of these terrible goats, like just anything we could find. We thought, okay, we want Nigerian dwarf because they're smaller. So we bought whatever we could find. And then we got some nicer goats because we're like, oh, that didn't work out too good. So then we spent more on these like certified goats when did we you get call certified goats like registered goats right. when did we get the like one uttered goat the one that was the first was that goat. the first goat oh we got yeah so drew and our friend went to go pick up this goat from craigslist right from craigslist which i don't think craigslist he... used to be like the transferring of animals like market right. place and i don't know maybe it still is maybe it is the way to go but... so let me describe this scene because Lacey didn't go <laughs> on this i we get to this like Middle of the city in High Point, North Carolina. And they're just off the highway. Just off the highway. It's like in the city and we're following the GPS. Like on the on ramp. He showed me sense. <laughs> and we pull up to this guy's yard and we're both like, Are there goats at this guy's yard? <laughs> and he like waves for us to come around to the back. And we get to the back and it's like some kind of petting zoo gone wrong. <laughs> like I really like feel like I probably should call somebody at this point, knowing what I know now. I swear there was like animal protective. Services. I swear there was like a, hip, a, a hippopotamus there. There was some, <laughs> there were some weird animals there in this backyard, all looking at us like save us. It was like a zoo, like a freak zoo. So I think, show. like in my defense, I think a little bit of me was panicking. <laughs> I, I, for one, I was panicked about the animals. But look, the there. funny part about it, this isn't this isn't an uncommon scene in the world of buying animals. It's we, not. We've been through this with poultry. We've been through this with cows. Oh, the we've poultry been lady. This with every animal known yeah. to man. Yeah. 
No, there know was a poultry lady that I uh, the poultry the one, guy I remember was on like an acre and he had like yeah literally four hundred different varieties of right. birds like in these like little cages yeah anyway go ahead but we digress <laughs> so he brings home his goat from this place right and they get it off they're all excited because they put it in this nice beautiful pasture compared to what it was on and Be- by beautiful pasture meaning from mud. <laughs> In feces to like a hillside grass. that a goat should actually yeah, be on, grass shrubbery and, trees and, and things shrub- to eat. Yeah. Anyway, so he jumped. This goat is walking around, and I'm like, "This goat has one udder." And they, the the fellas who went to pick up this goat, just look at each other like, "There, what? What are you talking about?" And I look, and there is one udder on this goat. And you know, I'm not an animal expert at this point. This is the first goat we've Definitely ever had. Not. Yeah. But I did know that a goat should have two udders, not just one. Right. So it was a like. But oh, I'm, I'm going to go back to. We I should was check <laughs> to see if this animal is complete. That, that was, so that was like it. number one on our what to check for oh when buying livestock gosh. list. Fortunately, I think it was like twenty dollars. Yeah, it, it was like a twenty dollar. We he might have. Paid us to take it. But that was Cinnamon, though. Cinnamon, Cinnamon was her Cinnamon, that was her name. Yeah, Cinnamon, and she was Cinnamon. pregnant, and she did have she did have a baby, a successful baby. And she was the and meanest, dumbest. She was goat. not mean. She was just a goat. Yeah. She was very goatish. But what it made us learn was, and what we're hoping to give to you today, is 20 years of livestock buying. Doing it right. Mishaps. Mishaps. We're going to give you all of our mishaps so that you don't have to do it. Yeah. Okay. So Lynn, we have to, I feel like we need to go back to chickens then because that was where we started. Or even bees for that matter. Well, I feel like it applies. My list that I have written here applies to it doesn't matter what it, what animal you're buying from bees. Let's go ahead and set it up. From <laughs> bees to cows and everything in between. These questions you should be asking. These questions. The number one question I will say that you need to ask and you have to listen to the answer very well is... Why are you selling it? And People, you'll know first, like first and foremost, how dodgy they get about answering right. it. So if it's over the internet, a lot of times, you know, they're replying in a text. You can't really know how dodgy they've been. You know, some good answers for that were downsizing, you know. Uh, downsizing is a sketchy answer. It, well, I don't know. What is a good answer, really? Uh, we're moving. I, I will say we're moving. <laughs> we're selling the farm, maybe. Yeah, we're selling the farm. If they're a breeder, like a legit yeah, breeder, right. we breed to sell these animals. Like, this is why we do it. That's the best answer. Best yeah, case okay, yeah, that would be the best answer. That's what I was trying to think. If you know the person, like, yeah. really, really know the person, then you might be able to talk them into parting with an animal. But here is, like, the biggest piece of wisdom I'm going to give you on this is people only sell animals they don't want. For whatever reason. And I'm going to say that one more time. (laughs) People only sell animals they don't want. Uh And it might be that they have too many of that animal. So that's like a best case scenario is you find somebody who has turned into a bit of like an animal addict. Right. this happens, right? The, what People, do they call it? The chicken math. Right. You start with one chicken and before you know it, like yeah. you have a whole farm. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So people will be like, okay, I got these two goats and then they started having babies and then I had another boy and then I had three girls and then like, you know, it just kind of like explodes and they actually are pretty decent at keeping care of, but they don't have a space for these animals. So that's kind of the best case scenario right? because you'll get a better price with this person than you would get with someone who is literally breeding to sell at the, the primo priso, which 
is no, there's nothing wrong with it. And if you that's can, call it registered, you, right? Well, sometimes it's not, but like it just depends on the person's like techniques. But a registered animal is generally something that's been like genetics we can trace back, which is is a big deal. But it also means that they most likely have been babying this yes, animal. Yes, coddled. Coddled animals. Because so I would actually say that registered is now what we don't. We know we don't want generally yeah. registered animals. What you get with registered is you get a lot of dewormer used on like your goats and sheep. You get a lot of babying. So you'll show up to this farm and they have like this massive barn and anytime there's like a chance of rain they bring all the animals into the barn well it could be anything though it could be like docking tails it could be docking ears it could be docking antler or or horns like i mean there's a lot of practices that happen in these like traditional setups that are just systemized that they just do it with everybody they don't ask questions it's not like is this better for the animal it's just like yeah we determined it was you know decades ago and we're going to keep doing it but for us we are trying to raise wild animals Right, like return to yeah, vibrant livestock. The vibrancy, and this we learned really early on with the bees. We went to this bee training with Gunther Hawk and in Floyd area on at the bee sanctuary, and he talked about this a lot about the vibrancy of bees and the vitality of bees. And you can see it wavering. You can see it in humanity, right? It's wavering. People are not healthy anymore. People are not vibrant anymore. People are deteriorating health wise. So are the animals. And if you look at this, a lot of times it has to do with seeking the specific genetic line that gets bred and bred and bred and bred and bred to where you're basically duplicating maybe some of the strengths, but also a lot of the weaknesses. And and the problem is, is that, you know, we have bees that are, you know, make a lot of honey and are super docile, but they aren't really great at reproducing or at managing and protecting their own hive from predators and mites and all these other things. Yeah. Cause he talked about it that the, at that time, the African bees, African killer bees were like coming up through the United States. And he talked about how even though they were like quote unquote killer bees, they were the most resilient and they like their hives thrive because they have those like wild resilient genes still in them. I wish there was a word for that because like we talk about regenerative farming, but I feel like we need to like revitalizing, revitalize farming, revitalization farming. Yeah. yeah. Right. Adding that vitality <laughs> back. Rewilding. Into I don't know. Yeah, rewilding is a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we have to think about that. Yeah. But the point is, like, all of these animals, like, we really want them to be able to forage, right? That's a huge element yeah. of the kind of livestock that we're looking for is foraging kinds of animals. So I will say, like, that another one kind of in that same vein is, like, asking the seller, how long has the genetics of this animal been eating grass? Mm. So you kind of run down, and I'm making the assumption that you want your animals to eat grass. If you don't, then this probably... Or forage in general. Or, yeah, like or a forage. Goat, you yeah. know, they want, we want them to forage real Right, long. but you don't want to be feeding them grain. No. So grain comes with all kinds of problems. We're not going to go into all that right now. But we're making the assumption gr- that they're not going to be grain-fed. Grain is like crack for animals, and they like it. They always are going to like it, right? And right. any goat, any animal livestock is going to like grain. But there are some animals that literally will not even try to eat other things because they're so hooked on grain. And that can be genetically imposed because that's what they were raised on, literally in utero. And then when they were born and all these things. So it's just, it's a, it's a problem. Yeah. So you need to know how long those genetics have been eating, foraging, been off of grain. A lot of times it'll be like people will be selling their first or second generation. And those animals may not have the like 
ability yet to thrive on grass or on forage mm-hmm. because like Lacey was saying they've they're coming off a of grain and the genetics just don't know that it's literally like it's sad but they literally just don't know how well to thinking forage. about cinnamon that first goat of ours she figured it out real quick she did but on the, pl- the property we took her from she was not foraging anything no she wasn't yeah she was maybe foraging hay every once in a while yeah from the hippopotamus <laughs> <laughs> the other big one to ask is how often and you have to like phrase it it's very important how you phrase these but how often do you give dewormer or other medications if you say like do you give dewormer a lot of times they'll be like oh no i don't give dewormer only and then you know you push a little bit and they're like well i give them a tablespoon of ivermectin every week but that's just for good health (laughs) and you know i've literally had that answer so they think they don't well, they haven't had worms, right. so we haven't dewormed them, right. but they are giving them the medication all the time. Right. <laughs> so you need to know, like, what medications and how often of, like, anything other than grass are these animals being given. And that will give you a hint on, like, how healthy they are. I literally bought some sheep a long time ago from a lady. A vet. A vet. And I just, uh, you know, again, it was new and I assumed that, you know, she's a vet. So well, they were a heritage breed. And I yeah. think that sometimes we think because people have heritage breeds, then they're like obviously going to be in the same mindset as we are about, yeah. you know, medication and that kind of thing. And you would think like a vet would be raising healthy, strong animals. Is what I thought at the time, anyhow. Well, yeah. Now, now I have a very different view of that. But, <laughs> but so we got these Jacob sheep, and like three out of the four died within a couple of months. Yeah. And I texted her back to ask her, you know, how often do you deworm these? And it turned out she was deworming them like once a month. And which, so they couldn't even survive without yeah. that because I mean we should have weaned them off, but we didn't realize the regimen that she was on with yeah. these animals. And, you know, the the same point is, like, we could have maybe eased them off of it. We do still have that line, and they seem very healthy, actually. The one that, line. yeah, the one that lived is still, yeah. 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 So, but, it you know, it was a lot of work to, to get through that. You know, losing three animals is just, oh, it's just so, it's so frustrating, especially because that we felt like was an investment to get these specific breeds. Right. Anyway. And it's not your fault is a thing. Like, you know, as far as like them dying and them being reliant on the dewormer and it's just. Well, it's our fault just because we didn't know. Right. We didn't know. Yeah. yeah. But we didn't know. Right. And that's part of the fast forward for you guys today. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So do you green feed the animal? How often? That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's like, you got to really kind of push them on the grain feed. Like, do you give them sweet feed? Do you give them grain? Do you give them corn? Right. Like all of those things you should ask because some people don't consider sweet feed a grain. You need to ask these questions about the animals in your lives anyways. Like, you need to ask these questions about the meat you're eating and, you know, learning how to ask the question the right way. Because a lot of times, so an example of this is like meat, for example. We sell meat at our market, but we have, we make sure that our market is grass-fed, grass-finished. So it is not a grain-fed animal, right? It may have like grain here and there, but a handful, but not like troughs of grain. And, you know, a lot of people think that you can grass feed an animal, but then you need to grain finish it because that'll improve the meat quality and the taste and all of this. Well, 
we don't want that. That actually diminishes the value, the nourishment that the meat actually offers. But this is something that, you know, we need to, as, as consumers, whether we're buying animals to keep ourselves or to eat ourselves, we need to be asking the right questions and getting the answers that give us the full truth. But anyways, right, yeah. back to the... And then another very important one, if you're planning on breeding the animal, is even if you're, if you're planning on keeping the genetics on your land you know like if you want another generation if you're buy, buying like a feeder calf or a feeder pig that you're just going to raise and kill then i guess it doesn't matter as much but you want to know if the animal has had babies and if if it was successful at that and then also the one generation back how did the mother do what are what's kind of like i don't know what you call it, like the stats of the mom's birds how many birds has she had were they all successful mm-hmm. and i will say that like when you start asking all these questions it's going to annoy some people some people are going to be like i just want to sell it well animal. listen some of the prices you, you it's like buying a car right you're asking the question based on the price of the car right. so like if you're buying a car for two grand your questions are like will it get down the driveway and right. that's like the end of the story, right? right? Yeah. But if you're buying one for fifteen thousand, then you need these details, right? You need to know if there's any leaks, if well, there's any, yeah, right. Well, and I guess that brings up a good point of is like you need to make the decision, like where do you want to take your licks? <laughs> because right. if you buy the discount animal, you're gonna have a lot of you're problems. gonna have to nurse it. You're gonna have discount problems. I don't know Ooh, what. That's a good, you know, yeah. but if you, on the same token, you don't want to pay for that registered animal as your first animal, you know, maybe something down the line, if you're mm-hmm. really into a breed. Well, I'll tell you, we bought not long ago, well, for, for several, for four years or so, we bought this beautiful registered animal uh, from someone we trust and we'd probably buy from her again. But this, this sheep had two sets of babies, one time twins, one time triplets, and not one single baby of her survived because she had milk bag issues. And, you know, that's not something that they can necessarily know in advance, but it's something I wouldn't have thought would have been an issue with her livestock. Right. So, you know, there's always a risk regardless of, you know, if you're getting a registered animal or not registered animal. But knowing the breeder, you know, honestly, she felt like she needed to help us through that situation and she did her best to help us, which was really nice to have the support of the farmer. Yeah. And and then we had at the Homesteaders of America, Joel Salton was talking about the three strikes in your out rule on the homestead mm-hmm. of like, you know, if an animal has problems three times in a row, he gets rid of it. Well, he yeah. said it, he actually made it the one strike rule, which I struggle with still because <laughs> I think it's easy for Joel Salatin who has hundreds of animals to, and, right. and a unlimited budget to say, you know, I just get rid of animals that he's cause problems. For, yeah. Right? right. But when you have like. He didn't start at that place. Right. But if you have like two sheep on your property and both of them have severe hoof, hoof rot, you know, do you nurse it along or do you just get rid of the sheep? And like the hard true answer about it is you get rid of the sheep. You're going to be spending so much time, so much money on these sheep. Sell them, butcher them, do something else. And then when you're ready, buy buy sheep that don't have problems or try again. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on the animal, sheep notoriously just have problems. And, you know, until you get good genetics that match your land, you're going to be getting rid of or butchering, I don't know, what do you say, like 50%, 60% mm. of your sheep? And- it may be honestly better to buy a, a lot of less expensive animals 
and see, you know, sort of like more throwing more against the wall, you know, yeah. to see what sticks. I think that's what Greg Judy said. He buys like a hundred sheep and plans on fifty to sixty of them dying. Like he's looking for those genetics that are that gonna stand out. That are gonna stand out. Yeah. And that can happen, you know, randomly because honestly those mutts can often be stronger than those bred animals that we're looking for very specific qualities because the truth is we're looking for the quality that survives not the quality that looks better for a competition or you know what I mean like those are those are very specific things that breeders look for and we're looking for something a little bit different so and that means no medication and no hoof rot and no birth childbirth problems and and these are no grain no grain no grain grass genetics and then the last one that I have on the list is mineral feeding program so asking them and this is like bonus points. If they, if you send them this and they say they have like a mineral feeding program and they're like, here's what I do. Here's the minerals I feed and when I feed, yeah. then that's bonus points. That, that animal and that manager really knows what they're doing. If they don't have an answer to that, that's, that's not necessarily a deal breaker. You can always bring an animal back around and start introducing minerals to them. But if they answer that, with a like what are you talking about or what is that you know that that or should be just ignore it. <laughs> yeah or just ignore it you know that should be a little bit of a red flag of like hey yeah. you know i definitely need to look at this animal when i get out there and mm-hmm. see what it's looking like and something we haven't talked about hit on yet this is actually something a little bit like this last round of sheep that we bought i think we were like yeah we should have asked this question we didn't we got some gulf coast sheep which are supposed to traditionally do well in our area they're a dual purpose variety and pretty wild so we were like okay let's get some of that genetic line into our and there and i would say the farmer checked all the boxes except for one which is that these animals were not familiar with electric fence at oh, all. oh i do have that on there you do but we yeah. skipped it oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so we got these animals and then you know, spent weeks trying to get them to to I, obey the electric fence. I did know ahead of time that they weren't you electric did. fence. It was trained. okay. Yeah. All right. You have to make that decision. Like, are like Lacey said, are you going to spend the weeks training them? The reality is the next closest Gulf Coast breeder was in Alabama, so it was like, <laughs> and there's I didn't talk to that person, so I don't know if they had them electric trained electric or, not. or not. Yeah. Well, sheep on electric is not quite as common, so no. I think that. It, it's a lot to ask for that to even be a thing uh, because the truth is none of our sheep had been on electric before we bought them. That's true. Yeah. But, you know, they they know now. And, you know, yeah. sometimes we have to chase them back in. But for the most part, they do do pretty well honoring them. Yeah, there's defense, a whole system to training them. But, it yeah, it's totally time. doable. <laughs> but it is very important. However, to going back to that, we had a, a sheep we loved. His name was Nick. He was a great sheep. He got real big, and we thought he would be our breeder for a really long time because his father was our breeder for a really long time. His name was Nick. His name was Nick. <laughs> but Nick, 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 Nick was naughty, 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 and Nick would get out of out of the fence. He would just cross it because he could. He knew if he got a running start, he could run into it and flip over it, which is pretty smart for a sheep. He was too smart <laughs> for our farm. <laughs> we went. Out, I went out there, and he kept getting out. The problem with sheep is they all want to follow each well, other. Well, and if one sheep gets out, then they all get out. Right. It's not one. You don't ever find just one sheep on one side of the fence. If you do, you're in trouble. Yeah. That sheep's That's a bad, bad sign. Yeah. Uh, so. so Nick kept getting out and I told him, I was like, Nick, if you get out again, you're going to freezer camp. And <laughs> I turned around and Nick had literally like right then jumped over the fence again. So mm. like it was one of those times where, you know, I literally hooked up a leash to Nick and brought him down to the barn and killed him. Because well, some animals cannot be trained. And that's, right. you know, that's 
Yeah. Whatever. It is what it is. He's either too dumb or too smart. But yeah. Now we have a really nice Nick fleece that we use to keep warm. We love that Nick on, fleece. On the couch at night. Over that right? <laughs> but, um, that's a great way to end it. it when, <laughs> when you have a thorn in your side, if an animal's not behaving. Oh, we had one as simple as like a sheep that just constantly, its horns were just big enough that it could get its head through the fence, but then it couldn't get its head back out. Right. So every like 20 minutes, we'd go out there and get this, this, this goat, this was a little goat, get this goat's head out of the fence. Yeah. And then, uh, funny, Drew posted on Craigslist and literally the neighbor, we could have walked the sheep across our pond into this his new home so frank was over there for a long time and that, then we could hear him over there bleeding because he was stuck in the fence <laughs> from the neighbor's fence that he was stuck in yeah. <laughs> but anyway so yeah i mean you just there's any number of issues like that's just a frustration if you constantly have to walk and let this goat's head out of the fence like it's time to let go of the, of the goat right yeah yeah it's never worth keeping the animal if it's driving you like insane like you have to it's, I guess a better way to say it is it's okay to let that animal go, mm-hmm. whether it's to freezer camp or to sell it at a discount. You know, some people are willing, some other person is willing to deal with that if you aren't. So sell it at a discount or, you know, put it in your freezer. But either way, like, don't put up with that. No, no. Life is too short to check a fence every 20 minutes. All right. So guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend that is thinking about buying animals. Yeah. Or if you're buying animals from somebody, send them send them this so they we can maybe tell forgot you. something. Maybe you have yeah. a question about buying animals and you just want some feedback. So post in our Facebook group. Just reach out to us through email. Whatever we wanna we wanna make sure you're getting the answers you want. But thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And if you go to the schoolhouselife.com and look at homestead audit, this would be a great topic if you want a little bit more help looking at Hands livestock. On. It's a one to one call with Lacey and I, and we break down. Let's just break down livestock if you want to and talk about, you know, what will fit on your homestead, how to manage it on your homestead and, uh, you know, get you a game plan. If that's something that sounds good to you, go to the schoolhouselife.com and click the homestead audit button. Thanks for listening.